Welcome to a new podcast we're doing. Uh, we're going to call it, my, my loose name for it right now is Star Trek Megan's Top 20 and TT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you wondering why we haven't done the Neil Breen thing yet, uh, life stuff got in the way. I lost, and then I lost my microphones. And then, of course, the there's been a lot of upheaval in our country. It just didn't feel right to sit around and do And I also joke. just worked eight fucking days in a row. I, as, I'm an essential worker, technically. So yeah. I never actually got quarantine. Yeah, neither, neither do I. I'm also an essential worker at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mo- a lot of it was the upheaval in the country. We just didn't feel it was right to sit down and make fun of a a two-hour Neil Breen movie in the middle of all that. And now that things have settled down again a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, we wanted to get back to this. But then we lost my microphones, and we didn't know what to do with them regarding the Neil Breen uh, commentary track. I think I know where they are, and we did beta test that everything's still going to work. But we still plan on doing that. We haven't given up also, on that. Also, we will catch up on the rock stuff uh, yeah. probably next week. Yeah, so. next week <laughs> Megan has two days off in a row, and the same two days I have off in a row. So what we're probably going to do is all three of them. We're going to do another rock starring Gridiron Gang. Yeah. We're going to do the Neo Breen, the first of the Neo Breen movies commentary tracks where we'll put on lapel mics and just joke and laugh while we're watching it. No pausing, no interruptions. From our perspective, we'll talk while the movie is playing, but you'll just be hearing us laugh and point out the stupidity of it. Uh, and then um, we're probably going to start doing this as a regular thing. But since we are behind and Megan has been kicking around the idea of doing this for a while, we decided to start. And it's uh, Megan's top 20 Star Trek episodes across the original series, Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and possibly the newer stuff where she's debating that because we don't really yeah. like Discovery, Picard, or Short Treks. No. And Lower Decks premiered today. And we haven't watched it, nor do we really feel an urge to watch it. I didn't really like the... The trailer. Trailer. (laughs) So, my point is this. There are some episodes that Megan thinks she likes among the newer tracks, but it's just singular episodes here and there. Yeah. And she's not even sure if they really fit in her top 20. She hasn't sat down and written her list yet. No, no. We we just decided to jump into it today on a whim. Yeah. And I'm going to think about... So this one might be a little rougher than the ones in the future because mm-hmm. I'll have more time to plan for the next ones. Yeah, this one... It's not going to be in any particular order. Yeah, this is not a top 20 countdown. These are just her like, top this 20 Like, this one's this one, and this one is this one because I'm not... I, it's, it changes. I'm yeah. human. <laughs> these are just in her top... These are the ones she would definitely say would all be in her top 20, but she doesn't know the specific They're order. They're not in specific they order. Fit. Like, if anything, the one that we're doing today would be more in my top 10 yeah. than it would be just in number top 20. 20. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, <laughs> the reason we're doing this one in particular is, is for two reasons. One, the only other time we've done a Star Trek episode so far is the one where The Rock uh, appeared, the Sunkatsi episode, which yeah. I believe was season six. Yeah. of Voyager. It was after this episode, yeah. definitely. But we've already done a Voyager episode, so if you do... It's a good segue. Yeah, if you did tune in for our first podcast because you were like, oh, they do Star Trek stuff, and you realize we were actually were focusing on The Rock, you're like, this is a... Like, if you miss if you miss us doing Voyager stuff, here's another Voyager episode. We're not doing exclusively Voyagers in these top 20s. No, because... A lot... There aren't that many great episodes of Voyager, unfortunately. But... 
we figured the first one should be a Voyager episode. Yeah. And two... And this uh, one is one I actually do really like. Yeah, even though Megan hasn't sat down and wrote out her list, she has mentioned more than once that this is one of her favorite episodes of Star Trek, so it would definitely be in that list. Yeah. So that's why we decided to go with Living Witness, for those of you wondering, which yeah. is a season four episode. Yeah. Um, let me pull up the information on... Yes, it's season four, episode 23, almost the end of that season. Yeah. It aired April 29th, 1998. That episode is over 20 years old. Now, before we get to the episode itself, I'm going to set up why we're doing Megan's Top 20 when I'm the one that usually brings up Star Trek. I am an old school Star Trek fan. I grew up watching Next Generation. I literally remember putting together my first train set while watching an episode of, ne of Next and Generation. And you watched Voyager as it was coming out, as too. As it was coming out, which <laughs> would have been high school-ish, like early high school for me is when Voyager was wrapping up. I was like 10. Yeah, like Enterprise <laughs> literally premiered the same year I graduated high school. Enterprise did. So that that was the first its first few episodes. I think were, I was in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> first few episodes before the the uh, the end of my tenure in school. Yeah. So I, I my personal love is Next Generation. There will never be a better Star Trek show than Next Generation to me. Even though I admit a little bit of that is nostalgia. If I am being completely honest and able to completely, if I'm able to shut down my emotions like a Vulcan, and a, look at actually, it objectively. Look at it objectively. I'd probably have to say DS9 is overall a better show. It has some really a lot of really great episodes and a really great long-form story. Characters. A lot of good characters. But I'm sorry, Next Generation still gets the extra points because some of the best episodes <laughs> of Star Trek are in Next Generation and the nostalgia just kicks it over the edge for me. <laughs> I have Voyager. very different opinions because I didn't have the nostalgia. We'll get thing, to you so. in a minute. Uh, okay, right. Relax. <laughs> this is all going to be about you. Give me my minutes. And then, then we'll talk about you. As usual. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Voyager I watched as it was airing with my family. I have some nostalgia for that. Uh, I never really watched the original series. Obviously, I wasn't alive when it came out, nor did I really get into it in the remakes. I didn't really give it a real fair chance till a couple of years before I watched it with you. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was okay, but I wasn't in love with it. And Enterprise is kind of the same way. I was just getting old enough. I was getting to that edgy age of your between your know, late teens, early twenties, when you want to reject everything you liked as a kid, even yeah. if it's ostensibly still yeah, good. Yeah, like I rejected a lot of cartoons at that age. Plus, the first couple of seasons of Enterprise are really rough. <laughs> Um, having said all that, mm -hmm. I have the nostalgia bug for Star Trek. However, Megan and I have been roommates more than once, and we've been friends for, God... 2011? Almost, 2000, almost a decade at this point. Yeah. And we have a thing where one of us will pick a, a franchise, the other one doesn't really know that well or hasn't watched at all that, that one of us has seen, and we'll go through it together. Yeah. And, uh, uh I... For, I forced, but it was an agreed-upon thing. Yeah, but I was planning pick, on it anyways, yeah. but I never got to it. My pick was, start, for example, right now we're going through Classic Who, because I've only seen a few episodes of Classic Who. And, and I, on the other hand, have watched a lot. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going through all of Classic Who, which is on BritBox for anybody who wants to stream it. I know everybody's talking about how it's on HBO, but BritBox is like 7 bucks a month, and it's got a lot of British television on it. So yeah. I would recommend that if you're going to pick one. HBO is expensive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so HBO is really expensive. But anyway, uh, Classic Who is what we're going through right now. I, I intend to take Megan through Babylon 5 at some point. She's taken me through Parks and Rec, which I had never watched, but I admit was a really good comedy show after the first season. Uh, yeah. Um, what a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but one of my picks was the original... I wanted to do all of... 
up to that point, everything Star Trek that had come out with the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, before Voyager. Before Discovery was out. This is before Discovery was out. It was after it was announced, but yeah. it was before it was out. All the way up through Enterprise. Beyond was the last thing to come out while we were watching it. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was all of them, and then um, we were also going to do the movies, and we were going to try to do some release order, some timeline order. Because yeah. we watched all six of the Star Trek original crew movies in, ti- in timeline order. Yeah. As well as the opening of Generations, just the opening, the mm-hmm. part where up to where Kirk disappears. Yeah. But then we watched Next Generation. Fucking spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm then, kidding. We watched, then we watched Next Generation in order, and we watched all the Next Generation movies, even though some of them were released during... Even though some of the original series release movies were released during the Next Generation's run, and yeah. some of the Next Generation movies were released during DS9 and Voyager. So, but we also didn't do it completely in timeline order because I knew Enterprise was really rough. And If he had shown that to me first, I probably would not have finished. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Enterprise is the prequel series. And the first two seasons, we wrote Fuck. up a list. We wrote up a list where we finished the first two seasons of Enterprise. And between us, and there's some episodes she likes, I don't. And some episodes I like that she doesn't. But between okay to good, not even good, just okay not to good episodes. Not even great. Like, not great. even just okay to great episodes. We decided it was like what eleven total, like 11 which is eleven to twelve. Something eleven like to twelve. And which my is, least favorite episode of Star Trek of all time is in those first two seasons. Yeah. But my point was eleven or twelve episodes out of twenty-two episodes a season, which means out of two seasons, one of every four episodes we thought was worth watching. Yeah. Not even necessarily great, just worth watching. It's passable. Which is really You can watch bad. it and not feel like killing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then season three is probably the only one you could really watch and enjoy by itself because it doesn't really have that much connection yeah. to Star Trek Season overall. four, if I had watched that before watching the rest of the series, I would not have gotten it. Yeah, so Enterprise, even though it's a prequel, needs to be watched after you watch all the rest of the original Star Trek shows. It's not a good Star Trek show to start on. No, not even a little bit. So we went a little out of order timeline And it's wise. not saying I, I hate, I don't hate Enterprise. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it's not a good show to start with. You gotta start with some, either either the original series or Next Generation. You gotta start yeah. with one of those. Definitely. Depending on what your cheese factor is, and mine is high. Yeah, that's why we started with the original series, because the original series has some great writing, but some really campy acting and designs. Mm. And that fucking Gorn fight. Classic. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> the Horda. That was the name of the rug monster. <laughs> we were trying to think of the, the creature from the Devil in the Dark earlier today. The one that's... It's it, a really good episode. It's an amazing episode, but the monster is a guy wearing a carpet. Wearing a <laughs> carpet that's been painted. Yeah, <laughs> spray painted. But anyway, okay, we're getting off track. The, yeah, the completely. Point, yeah. The point is, I have the nostalgia bug for Star Trek. Megan never had. We started watching five years ago, and we finished up just after season two of Discovery came out, I believe. It was either season one or season two. So it wasn't it wasn't too long after, and we've seen, excluding Lower Decks, because that just came out. Yeah. We have watched everything. everything Star Trek. We watched, even though we don't like Discovery, we gave it two full seasons. I watched. We watched all of Picard, and we're disappointed. We watched all of the short treks. We've watched it all. We even watched some fan films. We watched Of Gods and Men, which is overall, I think, a really I think good I, fan film. I think we need to rewatch it because I watched it way too early. Yeah, we watched... I did not know what the hell was going on. Of Gods and Men, well, part of the reason we watched the first 10 or 15 minutes of Generations is because that sets up the story of 
uh, the captain of the Enterprise B, and he's yeah. a major character in the Of Gods and Men fan film, which is yeah. one of the better made fan films. It's yeah. got no budget, but it's really well written. Ties in a lot of Star Trek uh, canon into it, and has a ton of returning actors mm -hmm. from Star Trek, which is great. But anyway, um, so we watched that. We watched uh, Return. We watched the Ax Prelude to Axanar, which we both agree is one of the better Star Trek things made, professional or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, it's so well done. It's on YouTube. If you have a chance to watch it, please do. Um, I don't know if it's going to be great when it comes out. We even I've even watched uh, Star Trek Renegades, which is uh, made by the same people that made of Gods and Men. It was their pitch for a Star Trek show that honestly was better than anything that's come out of Star Trek since that. <laughs> that show was made. But anyway, okay, so. My point is, I mean, we watched a lot. We watched a lot of Star Trek, and this was one of the first. We decided to go back, and there's a lot of Star Trek top ten lists or Star Trek podcasts of people who have been in love with the show for decades. But I thought it'd be really interesting just to get Megan, who doesn't talk that much on my podcast because I'm a big gabber and she's not. Yeah, we can see that right now. Yeah, to give <laughs> or hear a, that, whatever. Yeah. To give her a chance to actually go into what she likes about her favorite episodes of Star Trek because she doesn't have that nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will briefly cover my exposure to Living Witness. I saw it when I was when it first came out, which would have been 1998, which would have been just the tail end of my uh, middle school career. I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to keep reminding people how much older I am than you. People are gonna You're think not that, that much people older. People are going to think that I'm a creepy old dude that I have You're really only forcing you to what, live with seven? me. seven? years older than me. I know, but every time you bring it up, you're like, I was in elementary school. And I'm like, I understand that. You could stop bringing it up. I'm trying to give people an idea of a timeline okay. here. Anyway. <laughs> How old I was and why I wasn't into it. Okay. Well, anyway, the point I'm getting at is I watched it, really liked it. It was a great episode. For those of you wondering who haven't seen the episode, though, why you're listening to a podcast about it I, that you haven't seen, I don't know. Uh, the premise is that it starts off in what you think is the mirror universe. It's uh, a dark representation. At least that's what I thought. Well, that's what I think most of us were supposed yeah. to think. Uh, the mirror universe is the dark version of the Star Trek universe within canon, where everybody's evil. Mm -hmm. And in this one, Janeway, who Voyager is a ship that's stuck in the farce, the Delta Quadrant, trying desperately to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. And in this mirror universe, I get, or what we thought was the mirror universe, she was also stuck in the Delta Quadrant. And... Her and her crew are recruited by the Vaskins to attack uh, the Kyrians, and who are an, a species they want to conquer for their territory. Yeah. And every single scene that follows, it takes 20 minutes almost to get to the point where the real story kicks in. But everything yeah. up to this point is still great. It shows this alternate universe where the crew, Voyager crew are brutes, scallywags, monsters, mass murderers, psychopaths, serial killers. It's amazing. <laughs> they have a lot of fun being evil. Yeah, they you really can see do. it on the crew's face. Yeah. Especially the Catherine Janeway played by Kate Mulgrew. Oh, she looks she like is, she's chewing that she is, scene. She is chewing and spit she she is bubblegum blowing that scenery. She's Not just chewing it. She she's is, happy. <laughs> she is indulging in every single like subtle I am such a badass bitch moment. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um so anyway, uh, we find out at like five minutes after the starts that what we're actually watching is a holographic representation of what the Kyrians believe happened when Voyager met the Vaskins 700 years earlier. Yeah. And at the 19 minute mark, it's revealed, because we get to watch a lot of these holograms where the, the, the crew is just evil. Yeah. Um, 
my, my favorite actually was Tim Russ because you could tell who plays Tuvok because when he does his evil smile, smile he, he was he was you could um, tell he was so happy he, he was channeling get, Romulans. And not only that, you could just tell <laughs> he was so happy to finally be able to do an expression on the show. Yeah, because he's playing the he does I, a great I job thought, as Vulcan. He I really think it was great to see uh, Harry Kim actually be able to act in a scene yeah. for once instead of just you got it, sir. Clean. Yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for Garrick Long. Garrett, not Garrick. I said Garrick is a, is a character on DS9. I said it wrong, I'm sorry. I meant to say Garrett. It's, it's hard! I have a list! <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, so uh, we find out that this is a hologram representation and the. It's, it's put forth in the episode that the Vaskins conquered and have oppressed the Tyrians for the last 700 years. Yeah. And then uh, it's mentioned in the episode that um, they found a, a data module with active data from Voyager, mm -hmm. and they're about to see what the actual what, what that information is. And then the curator, who is Corrin, mm -hmm. uh, who did an amazing job. The actor yeah. in question's name is... Hang on a second is Harry, Henry, my, my apologies, Henry Wernix. Wernix, it's W-O-R-O-N-I-C-Z. It's, it's unpronounceable for our stupid American tongues. Yeah, I apologize for getting his last name wrong. He did an amazing job, sir, if by some happenstance he happens to listen to this. Because um, he basically has to carry the almost the entire episode on his own back. And he has to carry the first half of the episode indefinitely on his own back. Because yeah. he's our narrator basically through the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Now, at the 19-minute mark, they activate the data module they have, and it turns out it has a backup copy of, of a hologram of a hologram that is the Doctor, played by Robert Ricardo, who is great. Yeah, he has sense. every memory and every personality traits of the original Doctor, but this is a copy of him that has now been activated in the distant future. So he's confused as to where the hell he is mm -hmm. when, when they he, first turn him on. Yeah, and when they watch, he watches the representation. He is appalled to see how Voyager is being treated by history because. It didn't. Ha that's not how it happened. And then he convinces the curator to let him show them what actually happened. He depicts a holographic representation of approximately what he remembers. You know, some of it's obviously hearsay. What he imagined. Because happened he's not used in, to this technology. Well, he's not in every scene. He and wouldn't know everything every, that's happening. Yeah, but he knows. The the, he knows the crew well enough to know approximately more or less what would happen. And he does recount what he actually saw as accurately as he can. Yeah. And it turns out that um, that it's it's really hard to lay out because the the Kyrians in the original history, as they depict their history, they have a war hero named Tedrin, who's basically their King Arthur, who is executed by Voyager's crew. The Vaskins asked Voyager to um, to solve their Kyrian problem, basically. Yeah. And their solution was to wipe out massive numbers of cities. Of two mil they say at one point that two million Kyrians uh, uh, died during their interactions with Voyager. And then and we find out in the Vaskin version of history that we never actually get to see, but is mentioned, that they believe the Kyrians started the war yeah. and that they kind of allowed the Kyrians to force their hatred on Voyager's crew because there's no fallout for that. Yeah. And then you've got actual history, according to the Doctor, whom we trust as a source, 
that what actually happened was the Curians attacked Voyager thinking they were going to start a, a, a they were going to join together to fight the Curians. Yeah. The Vascan ambassador kills Tedrin, uh, and then that's what's, I guess, sparked the Which whole war. Which was needless. It was needless at that point. Yeah. And then it sparked the war. One thing I liked rewatching this is that the Vascan ambassador in the past, even though he is overall a good person from what we can tell he seems to have a very serious ingrained racism against Kyrians. yeah he mentioned they think they're a violent harsh people he thinks that they've stubborn they're stubborn he thinks um none of their diplomatic yeah none of their diplomatic attempts worked although we do it's not clear how serious it is and something else i was thinking of is i can understand them not knowing that Voy what voyager actually did because voyager would have been in their spaceship high in the air yeah. But I have a hard time believing the Kyrians were able to fabricate two million dead Kyrians from nothing. And since Voyager didn't do it, that means the Vaskins must have been the ones that wiped out those two million people. That was the one thing that they never explained in the episode. No, I think it's left to your interpretation. Yeah, it's left to interpretation. But I think that's what it's implying, is that yeah. the Vask, everything they blamed on Voyager, all the horrible acts of torture murder and Execution. executions were Genocide. actually done by the Vaskins at the time. Even if the Kyrians started the war by attacking Voyager, which is debatable... The Vaskins still committed their own crimes. Their own crimes, even though that should have been laid out more clearly, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's the implication. Yeah, they didn't lay that part down. That's why this is, like, I really like this episode, but I also understand why some some people don't put it on their list. Either. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little questionable. We yeah. were actually debating even doing this one just because... Uh, the current political climate and pulling down mm, statues yeah. of Confederate generals, which, which I don't think Confederate generals should have statues. <laughs> so they're not outside of museums where we can understand the context of, yes, they may have been a great general, but they also supported slavery. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that they're also literal traitors, yeah, but okay then. <laughs> I, I would not support Benedict Arnold getting a statue in Washington, D.C., even though by all accounts he was a great leader. Uh, so... <laughs> in any event, um, the point I'm getting at here is uh, this was very topical for now, even though it's over 20 years old, yeah. which is a sad statement that yeah. we still haven't learned this. That lesson. actually happens on a couple of these. I think that's going to happen with a couple of these. These ones, yeah. These ones that I'm doing here because I really like Deep Space Nine. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of them are going to Deep Space Nine for Megan. So okay, um, look, we don't know that for sure. We do. Uh, Shut um, up. <laughs> But anyway... Stop um, acting like you know me. I've <laughs> only known you for a decade. Shh. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the, the episode ends with the Vaskin people rebelling and attacking the museum when they find out about the lies, but it's not clear what exactly they're referring to as lies. Uh, and the curator, who is Kyrian, um, telling the doctor that we need to find the, the tricorder. Because they, the tricor they have a tricorder, a fossilized that, tricorder. That happened to scan the body. Of Tedrin. So they could prove that it was a Vascan weapon that killed him, not a, a Voyager weapon. And if they can prove that much, it will lay the foundation of discrediting everything that, that, the, that the Kyrians believe about their history. But it also discredits the, the idea that... Um, like. It's it's pretty interesting because it makes it seem it's like listen this conflict happened because of both sides here guys yeah <laughs> so it was just easier for both sides to push their hatred on Voyager because yeah. Voyager was a non entity anymore it was yeah that it, it was gone it's yeah. gone now there weren't any crew the members. only thing they had left was pieces of, uh, bits and pieces that yeah and their technology behind. is supposed to be equal if not greater than Voyager's at this point yeah so it's not even like it was advancing anything. 
so that all explains the basic premise. The end of the episode is the curator saying we have to to establish what actually happened. Our issues have been here since 700 years and we're still blaming each other. If we can't actually agree on what history was, it will then be we'll another 700 years, years before of we, unrest. Yeah, before we ever get out of this. And then I, they have like kind of a touch and seeing at the end where it turns out that this entire thing was also a recreation. A recreation. Uh, from ostensibly 100 to 700 years further in the future. Further in the, the future. Where the Curians and the Vascans have finally managed to put aside their bullshit. This was a critical moment in their history was uh, Corrin and the Doctor yeah. because between the Doctor's testimony and the evidence that came to light, they, they worked together and they realized what would actually happen and they started working through their issues. This, uh, uh, and as the lady says at the end, this opened a dialogue between our peoples and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, that was, it, it was, it's a nice hopeful message yeah. to me. It was short-term anarchy for long-term peace yeah. is what they were basically arguing here. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out the doctor's copy program, because we actually don't see the real doctor in the whole story. No. The doctor's copy is, uh, he worked as their chief medical officer for several years and then yeah. got himself a ship and start pointing toward the Alpha Quadrant with the plan of seeing what eventually happened to Voyager and his friends. And, and we never find out if he ever got home. We never found out. We know what happened to the Voyager crew. But we don't know what happened to this copy of the Doctor. No, no, because it was in the future. It was yeah. far in the future. One thing we were laughing about watching this before we get into Megan's interpretations is <laughs> the opening where we see what is essentially the evil version of a Voyager crew is so accurate for a lot of what they actually do in modern Star Trek that we were Especially laughing. Discovery yeah. violence. Yeah. <laughs> Discovery was it was so damn funny because it was like she it opens with violence is a solution to any political problem. And I was thinking at the end of Star Trek Discovery season one when they were gonna he goes They were gonna blow up Kronos. Kronos just to to save Earth. And then like, they hand it to this lady and they're like here, this is your keys to peace. And we're like, what the fuck? That's not how that works. That's not how that works. <laughs> I am now taking Kronos hostage. Yeah. Peace to all. If I ever <laughs> if I ever let go of this pad for even a second, you can all kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was just oh god. It was it was so funny for the first five minutes or so when we were watching that and realizing how much and even the lighting was more accurate for Discovery because it was all dark and heavy shadows and it was meant to show how dark and heavy this fake universe was. <laughs> and how like, laughable it would be to see Starfleet like this. Yeah, and now they are. <laughs> Apparently. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then in Picard they have an entire slave race of... Of androids. of androids, even though it's the exact opposite point they were making in Measure of a Man. And then Which they will come up eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, and then they, they rebel... <laughs> Which, either they're VI, to borrow from Mass Effect, either they're VIs, in which case their rebellion was a malfunction, they shouldn't blame a, technology. A hack or... A hack or a malfunction, they shouldn't blame technology. Or they are AIs, in which case they were slaves, slaves who rebelled, and then the solution the Federation came to that was, okay, we're going to obliterate their entire species because they didn't want to be slaves anymore. And then we're going to so, outlaw them ever having... Ever so being either, way, yeah, either, either way, either way... 
nothing is good. Either way, Starfleet is fascist now. Yeah. There's no way this isn't fascism. I, I, <laughs> like, they always, these 17 million producers on the show always are commenting about how... Progressive it is? How progressive it is and how they're trying to push out people from the right wing, but they just proved their point. Yeah. Anyway, this is really meant to be a bash of Discovery. But Sorry, yeah. I'm sure we will eventually gonna, bash let's Discovery. Let's get back to something that we like. Yes, well, we've explained the episode. I've explained my interpretation of it, my my exposure to it. So now, now that it's Megan's top twenty, and we've been, I've been taking up half an hour of your time. Let's go ahead and talk to Megan. Okay. So okay, like we said, I watched this what like three years ago. Thereabouts. This, this episode specifically, yeah. around three years ago, and it was. It, it was actually refreshing because, like, there was good Voyager at this point, but Voyager overall was not a fun experience for me. I mean, I remember looking over at Eric while we were watching Voyager, and I was bored as hell. <laughs> and he was looking so sad because I was bored as hell yeah. <laughs> watching this poor show because this show has great characters in it. Like, and a great premise. And a great premise. I honestly say this often, that Voyager... If it got its shit together completely, like if it let it explored its its premise, it could have been way better than even DS Nine. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it could have easily been better because the characters were had a better start. Honestly, yeah. I like the characters in Voyager; they're really good. If inconsistent, I like the Doctor. If he's a little overused at one point, and then Seven of Nine, I like her. Until she's overused, because they're the only characters that had anything interesting. As for Living Witness itself, though, it, it, I like it a lot because it's more of a personal thing for me. I went to college for history, so it was nice to see something about historical revisionism and how it can be just, how, how damaging it could be. We, and we're seeing stuff like this even right now, especially in the year 2020, Woo! <laughs> what a, a hindsight year. The, yes. 2020! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's just, it's talking about how damaging it could be and everything. And it's just such a personal topic for me. It's when history goes from history to propaganda. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yes. I mean, I took, I, I was specifically a lot of American history and a lot of French history. And it just... This this is just it, it was nice to see something like this in Star Trek, which I know they I think they do it in a couple of episodes, but this one was specifically about something personal to me. We just recently watched Hamilton. Yes. On Disney Which Plus. is its own version of historical revisionism. Yes, yeah, so I was about to say but it was Hamilton fun. is historical revisionism. The story that they t- they tell about Voyager in this Living Witnesses is, is propaganda. Yeah. That's the difference. Historical yeah. revisionism is about yeah. taking the facts and trying to fit them into a narrative, but for the purposes of education. Yeah. Propaganda is about trying to take the facts and form them into a narrative mm-hmm. for the purposes so, of changing your opinion on something. Yeah, have forming an opinion that is yeah. not your own necessarily. That is based that is based purely on A lot of Nazi video that you see is propaganda. It's bad propaganda. And it's mm-hmm. just disgusting that we're discussing that people discuss it like it's great film and it's not. No. <laughs> it, th- that's basically what's happening with these simulations is that they're blaming a third party so that nobody has to take responsibility for the shit that they're going through. And it's creating unrest and both sides are wrong. And yeah, because they have. Uh, though normally in history, 
normally in history it's usually just one side and it's the white people, but still. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. I just um, slipped that in there. I understand. But, but in this case, it was literally both sides were wrong in this conflict, and it was by the way, nice the, to see something revealing like that. Yeah, by the way, to any of those um, alt-right Star Trek supporters out there, which I didn't even know was a thing <laughs> until recently, any other who claims that there isn't social justice in Star Trek, this is literally about... Historical revisionism to use to oppress a people. Yeah. Is literally what this is about. Yeah. This episode, in the fourth season of Voyager, by which point they, they really were trying to copy Next Generation in this show. Yeah, they were so being it, Next Generation. The whole reason I don't like Discovery or most of, the, most of Discovery, most of the short treks, most of... Or all of Picard. They don't because, say anything. Yeah, they aren't talking about social issues in a way that makes it palatable and understandable to even a child, which I was when I was watching most of Star Trek. Yeah. In the modern stuff, it's either they push stuff in your face too blatantly. Techno babble that shit or yeah. fucking well, I mean, they violence that shit. <laughs> they blatantly say something like hiring Michael, having Michael Burnham as a character for, for, for Discovery. Clearly, the reason that she has a predominantly considered male name, masculine name. And that she's a black woman actress is not because they felt Sonequa Martin Green was the best person to play that character, because there is no character. Yeah. It's because they wanted the points for having a black actress with a ma- with a predominantly masculine name as a main character. Yeah. But they didn't do anything with that. They didn't no. say anything with it. No, and they didn't do anything with the idea of her being raised by Vulcans. They just did it so that they could bring Spock in yeah. for reasons. And just so we're clear, I'm not saying that there needs to be a reason to have a black woman or someone with a with a no. different gendered name as a main character in no, Star Trek. No, I actually like the fucking foundation for Michael Burnham. It's a great foundation for a character. They just never did anything. Yeah, my like complaint that. is that every time Star Trek, a good ex Star Trek episodes at least, every time they did something, they did it with a purpose. Yeah. The Voyager in this episode, the Doctor doesn't get turned on seven hundred years later because <laughs> they because. did it because they want to talk about historical revisionism. This was about explaining something to the audience. What Having, would happen if we found a witness to an event from centuries ago? Yeah. How and, amazing would that be? And huh? having every single episode revolve around Michael Burnham and yet her not being much of a character doesn't go out of its way to say anything. No. Yes, she might be the best, most, she might be the most capable character in all of Star Trek. I have no problem believing a black woman could do that. I do have a hard time believing that everyone would continually say it when she keeps fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted her to simultaneously be flawed and... Flawless, yeah. And they, they my, my overall point here is that I, you, social justice, the, the term everyone seems to treat like it's a fucking dirty word, yeah. has always been baked into Star Trek since the beginning. That yeah. was the point. Yeah. And if you're not getting it, then that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, <laughs> so, so. And if I've lost any viewer, listeners out there by calling them out, I apologize. It's just. I've had to have arguments Tangents. with I've had to have arguments with alt right supporters who are also claimed to be Star Trek fans who get really mad whenever anything social is brought any kind of social justice topic is brought up and like you know Star Trek was about character development so I'm like no that was part of it the point of the shows were to say something oh, yeah. to America about hey this is how we should be 
it really is a socially conscious episode, mm-hmm. even if it's got some issues. It does have some issues. But you but love the historical aspect of I it. Have, I love the historical aspect of it. Well, is there anything else you'd like to chat about regarding the episode or Voyager in general? Well, it was cool that it was Tim Russ who directed it. That was yeah. pretty fun. They and also bring up section, they also mention section 31. This aired the same month. <laughs> As the, inquis- as the inclusion of Section 31 in Star Trek. Canon. Yeah, I, we both went, ooh. Because <laughs> yeah. I hadn't remembered that. <laughs> that was kind of cute. And um, I probably didn't even think about it when we were watching Voyager because it had been a while since we had watched DS9 at that yeah. point. It had been four seasons. <laughs> yeah, four seasons of Voyager. And, yeah. and Voyager we took a long time to get through. <laughs> yeah, we had to keep having to stop and start and... Yeah. You, you kept getting overly bored, which I understand. Yeah. Uh, um, I still stand behind Voyager. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I, I still think it's overall a really good show. It's it well is worth nice watching. to see uh, Brian Fuller's name in the credits because yes. that's where he got his, like, technical, technically got his start. That and, uh, what was it, Heroes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah, Heroes and Voyager is where he got his start, and he's still one of my favorite creators. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, trying to think if there's anything else to chat about regarding this particular episode. It's a really interesting discussion on historical yeah. revisionism. They did a good job with it. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I agree with them that pretending a problem doesn't exist. Doesn't make the problem go away. No, it just makes the problem fester, mm-hmm. and eventually you have to confront it. And that's part of what we're discussing in this country right now. And it's not radical, it's not insanity, it's just necessary. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to do this every week. Um, in addition to our rock starring podcast, and like I said, next week we're gonna try to do a rock starring episode. We're gonna try to do a Star Trek episode because Megan will write out the rest of her nineteen episode list probably tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll like I said, this is a rougher one because we're still getting the pattern down. We'll be better at this probably by next week. Yeah, we we just wanted to give backstory as to what our we're, connection with Star yeah. Trek is really. Yeah, this might be one of the longer ones for this particular sub-podcast, because the rest of them we're just going to talk about the episodes. Yeah, and how how I personally felt about it and yeah. everything. So, I mean, because some of them are going to overlap with mainstream. Let me, let me ask you this question. I know yeah. you don't have all the episodes out in front of you right now. Yeah. But would you say this is the first Voyager episode you were legitimately invested in? Um, no, I think it was Scorpion. The Scorpion two-parter, most people think, is one of the better... I, I think it was when I was first, like, starting to pay attention, but this was the first time I saw something and I connected with it. I think this was the first time I connected with Voyager in any way. Because okay. I, I had such a hard time watching it because I was bored and disconnected, and I'm like, I want to like these characters. I think maybe maybe also that one Kess episode where she actually be, got to be a main character. Not the one where the, she's possessed by the bad guy? Yeah, that one maybe. But like overall, this this might have been the first one I remember, you know? That's a fair point. Yeah. Because um. I just, I had to say that I don't hate... There, Kess, I feel bad for Kess because she had potential to be a good character too. And they just... Yeah fucking wasted her well there's a there's a youtuber we both watch called laura mm-hmm. and i we both like him he, he discusses he, he actually got to start discussing voyager episodes he's currently working through next generation and ds9 uh he also does ruminations or discussions on a lot of other sci-fi stuff he loves and games movies books all that stuff but he has several syndromes like terms he's come up with and one of them is voyager syndrome and yeah. his definition is 
A narrative concept which refers to when a story has a fantastic premise and completely fails to deliver. Yep. And that is sadly Voyager in a nutshell. It has a couple of really is, solid episodes and a couple of really good, a lot of really good characters. That's what I started calling stuff after I watched Voyager, but before I watched Lore Runner. Honestly, yeah. I was like, oh, this is like Voyager. When I was watching something, that I was like, oh, this could have been good, but it's okay. Yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, for anyone out there who's played it, is probably suffers from, most people would agree with suffers from Voyager Syndrome, yeah. where it has a really great premise, doesn't really do much with it. Yeah. Uh, and I agree, I, I'll, although I will still stand behind Voyager and say it is a well-good show. A good show, I can't say I would see it feel the same if I had watched it as an adult without watching it as a kid. I will admit nostalgia probably plays a part in that defense. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's it's like I said, why I almost felt bad watching Voyager with you. Because I was just like, this is the show that we were like waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> this? Really? Because when you're, I first watched it with Megan, You're like, I you're gonna like it. It's a little boring, but you'll like it. And I'm like... Okay, and I... Well, it doesn't help that we watched it after DS9. And clearly I love DS9. fell in love with DS9. Uh, another reason I might like I Voyager love, than... It sounds weird, but my favorite ones are the original series in DS9. Mm -hmm. And it, so that gives you context. As in, like, I don't like DS9 because it's a darker show. Because my other favorite is the original series, and that's not dark in any way. Well, the premises are dark. A yeah. lot of people died in the original series. Yeah, but nothing is designed to be dark. It's all no, designed to be you, more lighthearted. No, you know what I mean, though. It's, like, an, it's an adventure so, series as opposed to a dark, gritty drama. Yeah, I, so I don't hate Voyager because it's not dark and gritty. I hate Voyager because it has a great premise and it doesn't fucking use it. Another reason <laughs> I might like Voyager more, and this tangentially relates to the, to the nostalgia, is that I went from what... My Okay, I watched Next Generation and Voyager with my family. It was one of the few things we could do without fighting was sit down for an hour and watch Star Trek. But when DS9 came out, my mother hated it. She still doesn't like DS9, mainly because she hates the Ferengi. Yeah. Uh, she thinks they're annoying and she thinks they're not funny and she just doesn't like them. So, Even though I think Cork is actually a pretty great character. But... I know you love DS9, <laughs> yeah, but the point yeah, I'm getting yeah. at is I went from Next Generation, yeah. which it, towards its last season was faltering, to yeah. Voyager without watching DS9. And when I finally did watch DS9, I really wasn't in, in the right headspace for Star Trek. It was my first job uh, outside of high school. Yeah. And I started, they released the DVD sets. And I bought them as they came out. And first of all, they were insanely expensive. Like every season was like 70 bucks, yeah. which was about half my paycheck. Yeah. And then um, when I watched them, I was like, I wasn't really in the Star Trek heads case. I was, I was just kind of missing. I was in a new job, and I was just in a mood for something different. Yeah. So it wasn't until I rewatched the original series in DS9 with you that I gave them a legitimate chance. And I admit they're both much better than I first thought. Having said that, I, that is part of the you going from DS9 to Voyager probably hurt it a lot in your opinions because it wasn't as layered. And it should have been. Like, even I admit, Voyager should... We've discussed this many times off mic. This Voyager... The biggest mistake Voyager made was not having intricate character continuity. Yeah. DS9 had intricate setting continuity. A lot happens in the Alpha Quadrant and the Gamma Quadrant because of DS9. Yeah. And we learn a lot about a lot of different cultures. Um, Voyager, because they were constantly on the move, couldn't have setting continuity, but they no. could have intricate character continuity. Yes. Every single episode should have been moving at least one character one step further on their character not arc or arcs. Not necessarily completely through the quadrant. No, yeah. I'm not saying, oh, they found a wormhole and they jumped another 700 feet. No, yeah. I'm saying 
oh, this character grew as a person like Because this. of the events of this episode. Yeah. For example, Which there one, was some of that. There was some of that, but it was inconsistent. For yeah. example, one of the episodes that I really defend, but I and I get people don't like, is an episode called Nemesis in Voyager. And in that episode, Chakotay is grabbed. Remember, this is Chakotay doesn't really get much uh, characterization. He doesn't get fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah, but one thing he did get, one thing we know about him is that he was the leader of the Maquis ship that they were sent to find, and he had a deep-seated hatred of Cardassians. And it doesn't help the fact that when he was on Voyager, the woman he was in love with turned out to be a Cardassian agent whose plan was to get everybody killed. Yeah. So he has a deep-seated propagandist hatred of Cardassians. Cardassians deserve it to a certain extent. They are brutal. Yeah. But his hatred goes deeper than just what they did. It's what he doesn't like what they are in yeah. a lot of ways. And he lands on this planet and he meets a bunch of what look like humans and they tell him about these creatures called the Nemesis, which are... The, the, one of the reasons I like the episode is that it's clear the translations from their language to Chakotay's are not entirely perfect. You understand what they're saying, but it isn't like a one-to-one -one translation. They will say things like, uh, it's better to back walk instead of retreat, even though you know that's what they mean. They yeah. mean retreat, but they're saying back walk, and it's very well put together, in my opinion. Well, it turns out Chakotay, over the course of these interactions with this one pseudo-human group, uh, sees a village wiped out and is willing to fight with them against their nemesis. And the nemesis are revealed to be these giant, monstrous creatures that were clearly the Nausicaan makeup. Yeah. <laughs> but they just put them in the Delta Quadrant. But they do look a little, the Nausicaans do look a little uh, Cardassian. they got the white pale skin and the, the motley, motley flesh. And Chakotay, by the end of it, is so dedicated to the, the fight against these creatures known as the nemesis that he is willing to shoot Tuvok just because he's wearing one of their uniforms, or he's almost ready to. And it turns out everything that Chakotay went through was just propaganda. That village didn't exist. Everyone he saw die, all the soldiers he bonded with, didn't exist. It was like he was living through Starship Troopers, yeah. which was a propagandist movie yeah. that was meant to show... It was, it was like it was made in that universe where it was meant to inspire you to love these characters. And they are all very, very limited as characters. They are very, very stereotypical hero characters. That sweet girl. Just, sweet girl or... Um, older dad. <laughs> older dad. One of my favorites was um, the one kid in the team that's with him, that's with Chakotay at the start, yeah. is the, the scared rookie. Yeah. And he eventually learns how to stand on his own and fight. And then he dies defending Chakotay. And all he asks before he goes is that he be upturned because they have a belief in their culture that they have to be, or they have to be downturned. Because they believe in their culture that they return to the soil when they die, their souls do, and if they have to be turned face down when they're dead. Yeah. And that the nemesis actually goes out of their way to not only kill them, but tie them down so that they're up-facing when they die, specifically just to piss them, just, just to deny them their afterlife. Yeah. And that whole story is really good, and it ends with... Chakotay realizing it was propaganda, but then he's confronted by one of the Nausicaan-type creatures who's trying very hard to be polite. And then Chakotay just gets up and walks away, and and Janeway says, what's wrong? And he goes, I really wish it was as easy to stop hating as it is to start. And that should have been a step on his arch arc to realize he was hating Cardassians as a race as opposed to as individuals. Yeah. That should have made him realize that some of what he believed about the Cardassian species was based entirely on propaganda that the, 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 the um, 
the other Maquis Maquis were putting out. Uh, But it doesn't have any effect on his character at all. It doesn't come up again. And that's, it's like it just didn't happen. Yeah, and that is a waste of a premise there. It's a waste of opportunity. Uh, and that is what a lot of Voyager does. But overall, I still think Voyager's pretty good. Reset that shit. Yeah. <laughs> reset button. Jam it. I think Jam it down. Time that when, um, I think that's another reason why I kind of like Living Witness, because it doesn't affect the overall plot, so I'm not worried about it being... Yeah. Characterly yeah, according, inconsistent because I'm like, oh, well, it's the future, so it's fine. According to IMDb, this is actually the furthest into the, the Milky Way galaxy's future we ever get to see. Yeah. Is the very end of that when it's looking back on what the Doctor and Corrin did. Um, so, yeah, uh, overall, uh, this episode is really, really good. It's the first on the top 20 countdown it doesn't mean that Megan has chosen, but it doesn't mean that it is the number 20 spot. It doesn't are, mean it's number one or number 20. These are just ran, These are just 20 episodes she loves yeah. across all of Star Trek. Yeah. We might even include an episode of the animated series in here because there's one we absolutely <laughs> love. I might just put an honorable mention. Yeah. Because, like, it's still a mess, but it's so much fun. <laughs> oh, come on. You know it deserves to be in your top three. It's so great. <laughs> put aside... Fuck Measure of a Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that one. We're going to go with this one instead. We might do just an honorable mentions section, like yeah. a, a quick run through, right before we do like the last five or something. Yeah. For but stuff anyway, that I like that I didn't think would be... Top 20 yeah. material. But anyway, that's it for this one. We will do another one of these next week. We'll try to do a uh, uh, an episode of... Uh, rock starring next yeah. week. And we will try to do our Neil Breen uh, commentary track. If we have time. If we have time. I, I think we Because we're going to be doing this and that, so... I mean, well, we've got we'll two see. days off, so we can do one one sure. day and then the other two the next day, because it won't take us very long. Yeah. Gridiron Gang, podcast, episode of Star Trek, podcast. Shouldn't take too long. But we'll see. Uh, thank you all for joining us uh, for yeah, Megan's uh, Star Trek, Megan's Top 20 and TT. Sorry that I didn't... Sorry that I'm not more insightful, but... Well, it's not that. We, we want... I want you to feel more comfortable. That's the point. I think you're just a little... It's the first time we're doing this. It's a little wonky. Uh, I apologize if this has been wonky, but I hope you will come back and join us later. Uh, Star Trek is still worth talking about, even if we don't like current Star Trek at all. Uh, (laughs) Honestly. uh, So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Stay safe out there. God knows this year has been... Uh, a fucking... It's a year. It's, 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 no, it's, a it's year. Been, it's been a fucking endurance trial, and it's only <laughs> August. Like, we're not, we're barely halfway through this year. Like, we're at the two... We're two-thirds of the way through this year, almost. And this... In, our entire world feels like it's on fire. <laughs> it's just not even funny. But we want to break from that, and that's what we're doing this podcast for. Okay. We hope we give you all a little respite, and we hope you enjoy it, and we hope you enjoy us. And we will be back next week. Megan? Mm-hmm. Say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm like, you were talking. What was I supposed to say? Okay, well, yeah, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. (laughs) Uh, I've known her for a decade, people. A decade. I'm not that awkward, baby.